The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. All right, guys, welcome to Tuesday Morning Coffee. Brad here with the Tony, the truth would all. <laughs> you can run that by a few people and get multiple answers. Well, it was either Tony, the truth or Tony, the tall tale. Would all. We'll, <laughs> we'll with, either one of those will work. Either one of them will work. We'll, we'll go with tall tale maybe another week, but I uh, appreciate you guys being with us. We have a, a good episode, we hope, in store for you today. We have a, a later episode. Once again, technology has uh, a problem and that's okay. We are a great example that you don't have to be great at technology to do this business. Yeah, we were just discussing before this that normally our big technology challenge is how do I get my laptop to come on or how do I send an email? So I'm pretty good at email once the the damn thing's on. Yeah. So I was telling everybody here, and I'm 35, so I mean, this is more embarrassing for me than it would be for Tony, who's slightly older, is that, you know, I, I hit the enter button, and then I hit the, I think it's the power button and the mouse pad, and sometimes it comes on, sometimes it doesn't. This new uh-huh. laptop that I got, I got this when we were at Mastermind, because my other one wasn't working. Oh, okay. And so I walked in, and the lady at Best Buy <laughs> was like, I was like, I need, a, I need a laptop. And she said, well, what's your budget? I said, well, I'd like to be under $1,000. She said, well, I don't have anything. <laughs> I said, okay, well, if I'm over $1,000, what do you have? She was like, well, what's your budget? I said, she sounds to me like to she needs to be doing our, yeah, our program. Yeah, I think so. I what's think the so. most you'll pay? Yeah, what's the most you'll pay? And finally, for her to and I said, if it's $20,000, I need a laptop now. Uh, you know, and she finally said, okay, come with me. And it was like, Fifteen or sixteen hundred bucks, and I, I still it it is touchscreen, which is nice. So I, really, I can do that kind of stuff. But mine probably is too, but I don't know it yet. So, <laughs> so Tasha and Christina, they and probably Casey was involved in it. They they got me a laptop, and when they came back, you know how with older people you have big print stuff, you know, yeah. to where you can see better. I got my, you one of those phones for your birthday coming up. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Well, my laptop is about the size of um, of a Mercury, and it is huge. And I'm I'm gonna have to get some kind of roller system to carry it around with me. That's a good idea. But it's so big, I, I feel like I'm you know watching a big screen TV. It's really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll, we'll go through the the, the <coughs> protocol for today. Deal of today. We do not have this under contract, but we're working very seriously on a 260-unit multifamily that came in from Ocala, Florida. Nice, nice, nice. And I'm not Ocala a, is such a pretty area. It is. I really like it. And I didn't realize this, but a lot of the Kentucky Derby horses stay there yeah. because it's there's something about the, the water there that it has a lot of lime in it, which is good oh. for their bones or something. And then there's not really any frost, which could... Yeah, that's what I would have thought in the weather. Yeah, so really interesting on that. But 260 unit, it is inherited. Grandson has, uh, and I assume grandson's my age. So he has inherited this property. It's got uh, like a strip center at the bottom. And then I think it's like seven stories tall. Wow. Uh, in a downtown area, maybe a couple blocks from an intercoastal waterway, mm-hmm. which is nice. So we're, we're working on that. I'm learning what I don't know about <laughs> multifamily, which is quite a bit when we talk about a 260 unit. I'm a family guy. 
when we start talking about 260, it's not like 260 houses in a row, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, which uh-huh. would be a lot easier for me to right. kind of figure out. But um, yeah, we're working on it and it's been a, a fun experience. You know, even the couple of times that we've gotten houses that had been divided, we opened them back up into yeah. single family units. Yeah. Yeah. So spotlight, apprentice spotlight for today is my good friend, Daniel Jarvis. So Daniel started with us. He's in Southern California and he was doing a lot of cold calling outbound sort of stuff. This is the third guy that we've ever had in the apprenticeship that started marketing the way that we market and bought his first leap. Uh So he bought the very first one. It was in South Carolina. And then he's bought two more as well. And okay. roughly a 60-day period. So he's off to the races. So he's in Southern California. Right. His first one's in South Carolina. Correct. Two opposite ends, coasts of the country. Right. right. And so for a lot of people, going virtual to start can feel a little bit overwhelming. I uh, just got an email a, a few minutes ago from another guy that said, oh, well, now we're we're starting this virtual campaign. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, well, nerves are good. That shows that something's happening. Yeah. And you know, growth never happens inside of our comfort zone anyway. So it's like, hey, we're growing. We're moving in the right direction. We'll support you. (laughs) We know what that looks like. You'll remember this. I didn't want to buy virtually either, but we started running radio ads in Nashville. And we bought Athens, Alabama. That's right. And then after that deal. And that was far away for us. That was far away for us. You know, and we went down there. It was on the Elk River. Uh Beautiful view. Uh And I thought for a minute, like, what can we do here? And we thought about, like, tracking off a little piece because it was a beautiful view. Um, But the lady kept answering questions in the way that caused me to buy a house. So, and she called and said, uh, God told me that you're going to buy the house. Yeah. Now I, I don't, I'm a little hesitant to put words into the big man's mouth because <laughs> I might, uh, insinuate incorrectly, but we did buy the house. So I guess she knew what she was talking about, but she kept answering questions the way that I couldn't not buy it. Uh-huh. So it's like, and this is before we really had great script work, <laughs> but it was like, well, how much is it worth? Well, probably about a hundred. Well, I could probably pay 50. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) well i can't pay 50 all at once i'd have to give you some now and some later that's fine okay well zero percent interest yeah that's okay yeah i'm like (laughs) well i'm getting kind of i'm running out of reasons to not cross this imaginary line into the state of alabama and we did the deal and exited and uh did just fine and then at that point it was kind of like breaking through that barrier for me it's like well the fundamentals really remain remain the same yeah they do and so uh, and it was actually closer than some of the stuff we bought in Tennessee. Uh-huh. So at that point, it was like, well, it don't matter where, where the deal is. Now, that is true. I hadn't thought about that. We're a long state yeah. east to west, and we get to Knoxville and Chattanooga, and we don't think twice about it. And mm-hmm. it's two and a half hours away. We would go an hour and a half south because we crossed the state line thinking we were Yeah, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much anymore because we've, yeah. uh, we've, we've done that many, many times now. Yeah. So. Big congratulations to Daniel. Really good to see that kind of growth that fast. Now, is this is that his is that his that first deal? Is that his only deal so far? No, he's got two more. So he has three in the pipeline. Okay. And I think one he's closed, but I think he's got two more in the pipeline under contract. Uh-huh. So these when we say in the pipeline, it's not like, oh, we might buy this. Uh-huh. Like it's under contract. We're in due diligence now and running through it. But in 60 days, that's and maybe it's closer to 45, but in roughly 60 days, uh, that's pretty good growth. So, you know, I, I get, a, I understand his feeling about before he starts marketing through PPC because it feels safer and you feel like you're more in control. Right. If you are, if you find your lead on Craigslist or you find your lead somewhere local or you feel like you're more in control of that. But he struggled before he started with this. Right. 
in finding significant equity, right? You can find houses all over the place for sale. Yeah. But we don't buy houses, do we? No. No. So if we're not buying equity, it doesn't matter if it's a Taj Mahal. Right. So then he does the scary thing and now feels safer with his investment with PPC than he did before he started with PPC. And that's 100% right. (laughs) It's one of those things that the biggest thing that I see for people that have never really seen a motivated seller and replicated that process is that they think it's about the property. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the property yeah. at all. It's about the people that have a problem yeah. that's associated with the property. So I don't really care. And I've always thought that this was crazy. You know, you'll have investors that say, well, I don't buy two-bedroom houses. Well, if the two-bedroom house was was a dollar, yes, would you buy it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And and then so if, if the answer to that is yes, then maybe we shouldn't paint that broad brushstroke all over the place. So you, since you said a two-bedroom house, have we got time for me to? Yeah, please. Okay. So got a house under contract a two-bedroom, one-bath house in a town in West Tennessee with less than a 1,000 people in it, mm-hmm. and I had never heard of the town. Now, this is Tony's personal deal. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. And so I get over there and look at it and talk to a couple realtors, run some. I get Kevin here on the sneak to run me some, <laughs> to run me some comps too and come up with a $105,000 exit uh, ARV. So... Got the house uh, subject to, okay. got the mortgage subject to, uh, $43,000 okay. mortgage. And uh, there were six siblings that each wanted $500 a piece. Are they getting some of that at closing and some after closing, or is it all cash? It, that was all cash. They all got their $500 at closing. <laughs> but the, again, this is why we don't make an offer here. I didn't. You'd have never convinced me that six siblings would want $500 each. Me either. As an inheritance. But that was their number. Yeah. And so I am a week away from listing it on the market when my realtor sends me a message, and I hadn't signed an agreement with her yet. My realtor sends me a message and says, hey, look, I'm going on vacation with some girlfriends for three weeks, and I don't work when I'm on vacation. Mm. I've never heard of a real estate person that yeah. doesn't work on vacation. Yeah. She's probably 32. That's successful. But 32, 35 years old. Good. I said, okay. So she left and went on vacation. In the meantime, a buyer found me in a group, a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Anybody got a house in West Tennessee? I responded. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I want to sell it outright. Can you get a mortgage? And they said, no, we can't. But they had great jobs and great cash. And they were moving back here. and they. They said, well, what would you have to get for the house in order to sell it owner financing? And I ran a few numbers and I said, 145. And they said, we'll take it and closed Mm. on it yesterday. So there's a hundred thousand dollars of equity on the front end in that note. And um, we've talked about other ways that, that I'll treat that now. But if I do this, if I, if I take care of this note, this underlying, and my, my money coming in, and I wait five years, I'll get another 50000 and just primarily all interest on the front end. Yeah. Then I can either sell the note or they can refinance it. I will probably wind up making about 150000 Yeah. on a house that I bought subject to and have $3,000 out in cash. And no big rehab. No big rehab. No cash I, in the deal. I painted it. I, oh, painted I, did, it. I, did spend, I did paint it, put carpet in two rooms. Okay. And that's it. All right. Good. Good. And so you, you loaded Grace or 
transaction coordinator here and y'all drove to Lebanon and <laughs> yesterday I got Grace and her notary stamp. We drove to 30 minutes to Lebanon, Tennessee. They were coming through on I-40. Yeah. Of course, we we met there at our mobile title company in the in the parking lot at Arby's and uh, pulled down the tailgate on the back of the truck. It was so windy. Papers were flying everywhere. <laughs> we signed all the docs. She notarized all of them. They handed me their checks, their cashier's checks, and I'm ready now to drop the docs off at the title company today. Boom. So that is classic of what you were saying that we don't buy houses on the front end. That did not look like a, a great deal to me, but it turns out it is a great deal. If you'll follow plan. Yeah. Sometimes a, a bad property means a great note. Yes. 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 Quit looking at houses. Yeah. We got to get to where we're blind to the house almost and looking at our numbers. And the only thing we're really looking for in our houses is how much it's going to cost me if I'm going to rehab it. Right. But the rest of it's all the numbers. Yeah. If we could do this with a different asset class that didn't smell as bad at times, then we would do that. Yeah. You know, the house is a means to an end. Really great deal, man. You know, so uh, congrats on that. Thank you. Be sure and have you a, a bourbon on that one this week. I, I did last night. Okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> we're, we're ahead of schedule. That's right. <laughs> You're an overachiever like always. <laughs> All right, let's get to the, the theme of this Tuesday morning coffee, which is what is your driver? And this comes from the investor creator community on Facebook. So we had a question from Carrie. It was a really good question. And I, I was almost, I started typing a response and I was like, well, let me just shoot a video. So I, I did like a selfie video and I was like, really, this just needs to be like unpacked because there's so much here. So I'll go through the question and then we'll, we'll kind of get to uh, how we feel about it. Because my, my guess is that me and Tony may have like different viewpoints on this because I think everybody does, uh -huh. you know? So Carrie said, this is more of a philosophical question, but where is enough for you? I love real estate. I love making a deal. I am extremely grateful for my real estate investments, but I have totally plateaued in my real estate career and I'm absolutely okay with that. I have to say, I had to have a long, hard conversation about what is enough for me. I resonate with the sentence from Morgan Housel in the, quote, psychology of money. I assume that's a book. Uh, here's the quote. It says, quote, desiring money beyond what you need to be happy is just an accounting hobby. Money buys happiness in the same way drugs bring pleasure. Incredible if done right, dangerous if used to mask a weakness, and disastrous when no amount is enough, end quote. Ooh. Amen to that. Uh, I had lunch the other day with another investor who has a similar net worth and cash flow as myself, and he asked how I figured out my enough. He said that most people in real estate seem to have a moving finish line, and I have seen this, and I agree. We tend to be super ambitious people and kind of have to be, and I get that, but also be aware that life is finite. Get real clear about what your goals are and what kind of legacy you want to leave on your community. Mm. If hustling truly makes you happy, then do it but do it with full self-awareness, maybe give the profits to charity. We all have super amazing talents. I'm super talented at making money. Money flows to me easily. I love the thrill of the deal, but I'm also aware of my enough number attached to it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know, it's kind of funny because the last point you said before you started reading that, you said Tony and I have a different viewpoint, so we may not agree on these things. Yeah. So I think that's so important to understand that there's a difference between disagreeing and having a different viewpoint. Right. We may both agree about how we get to our conclusion, yeah. but we're looking from a different place. 
So you're looking from a place of having another 60, 70 years ahead of you. Good Lord willing. Yeah. And I'm looking from a place of having most of that time behind me. So we just see we can come to different conclusions because we're seeing from different viewpoints. But it's not a disagreement from the standpoint of like questions like how much is enough? We may both of you agree that why should there have to be a limit on what enough is? We can totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. But now I plan differently than I did when I was 35. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's good stuff. Yeah. So just kind of unpack this and to bring some context to it. um, When I started in real estate, my first real goal was to be able to to go to the grocery store and not care what was in the buggy. Uh Because I remember, and it wasn't like so bad to where I had to have a calculator and all that, but I, I would, I would get the value items and, and I would try to, you know, maybe get, you know, I, steak was off the, the, the table, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, we were doing some more frozen foods and that kind of thing. And so trying to balance like healthy eating with budget eating and those kinds of things. And I remember that. And I remember the first time that, um, that me and my wife and my old friend, Phil, so shout out to Phil. So Phil is one of these people that he, he's a good friend of mine from sixth grade. I still keep in touch with him now. He's down in Phoenix now. And there are many people that I couldn't have a conversation about what we're doing here because there's just nothing good that can come of it. It's like, you know, if they're working at a job making X amount and we talk about a deal like we just did here uh-huh. with your deal, it can make them feel bad about what they're doing. Yeah. Or, you know, or maybe make it look like we're trying to gloat when that is not at all what we're trying to do. And so I just don't talk about business with friends, but Phil is one of these people where I could have a hundred percent honest conversation with him about it and he would be a thousand percent excited for us. Right. You know, because he doesn't care because that's not his value system. Right. You know, like he really doesn't care about money. Uh-huh. And back when we were young, if if Phil had a quart of vodka, then he was a happy fella. Yeah. You know, he was just one of those free and Phil did a real estate deal with us. Uh, he came to me one time and said, I want to do this. And I, I said, hey, go and do this. He made 20000 Remember, he took us out. That is right. I, yeah. I thought We went right. to Jeff Ruby's downtown uh-huh. Nashville. And, uh-huh. and that's what I, I was like. I'll give you everything you need to make this work. He made $20,000. And I don't think he felt comfortable with the money. He spent $20,000 in about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And mostly because he he had a, a couple of girlfriends that he had borrowed some money from. <laughs> he, he paid them back. He paid them back. So we appreciate that about <laughs> Phil. But, you know, me and my wife and Phil, we went to Chewy's Mexican restaurant. Uh-huh. And it was a beautiful day, kind of like today, one of those first spring days. And we had, I think me and Phil had two margaritas and I paid for Phil. And it was the first time that I ever experienced that you know what? I don't care what's on the menu uh-huh. or what the prices are. We're going to, we're going to have a good time. Right. And I could feel happy about that. Uh-huh. So that's the context that that's where I started from. Okay. So I think at the beginning, because this is a business, it has to be about money. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm wired a lot more like feel. Yeah. Like what, what it's, it, it is. And I know you are this way too. It's not the amount of the, the cash. It's what, I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. So from the standpoint of where there's someone out there that just loves money, do I think that's wrong? No, that's their business. Do I think that's who I am? It's not me. And I, like I do every year, I do my goals at the end of the, uh, at the end of the year for the following year. 
and I take a look at, I've got my year's goals for probably the last 20 years. And I sit down and look at them and I see what this year of these last few I crossed off Mm -hmm. and I go back and highlight them that I've crossed off. And if then I look at the ones I, I still haven't done and if they still mean something to me, I'll bring them over into this year. If they don't, I'll knock them off. They, yeah. they, they didn't, they didn't last, you know, but my description, what I've got on my, my sheet where I've done my goals is, is not necessarily numbers. It's what, then I take my what goals and I'll, I'll write down the numbers it's going to take to see that come to pass. Yeah. Then I'll write down my plan to see those numbers come to pass, see those goals come to pass. So do I think money is important in our culture? It is important. There was a time in our culture it wasn't. I might grow corn. You might grow beans at the end of the year. I'd give you enough corn for the next year. You'd give me enough beans for the next year, Mm -hmm. and we'd be fine with corn and beans. And that was our culture. That's not our culture now. Right. We exchange exchange cash. We exchange money. And so that's our corn and beans. Right. Right. So I don't don't think it's a matter of somebody, that person's what we call rich. They may have a lot of money, not be rich at all. That, oh, that's 100% right, man. They, they, I've seen a lot of rich, miserable people. Miserable people, and they got a lot of money, but wealth or riches is not just about money. But it does include, if you do not include money, a lot of what you want is not going to come to pass. It, it, just like in the other culture, if you want to get two new mules for your buggy and you decide this year not to plant corn, and at the end of the year you don't have anything to take to town and trade for two new mules, you're going to have a tough time. You're going to have a tough time. Yeah. So for me, it's about the hierarchy. So I, I think that really everyone goes through this if you stay in real estate and you achieve a level of success. So everybody starts off at the same place, which is a startup business. You know, And that's one of the things that I think is amazing about this business or really any business is it's all learned. You know, I may have a certain predisposition to enjoy certain parts of the business, but the business is, has such a breadth of things that have to be done that nobody's great at everything. But when you're at a startup, you're emotionally very excited about the business, okay? And it's just like this this of almost fantasy about how great it's going to be. But once you begin implementing, you go to the next level, which is struggle. And everybody goes through this as well. So I don't know anybody that... Now, there may be some exceptions the past six or seven years because a lot of really stupid decisions have been like overshadowed by this market that's outrunning mm-hmm. every bad decision that I see people make. Mm-hmm. But I don't know people that don't have some sort of struggle in the business. Okay. But if you stay in struggle long enough and you learn, you know, you get that feedback loop where I got results back, pivot if I need to. And then you, you finally hit success. Uh-huh. Now everybody has a different idea of what success is, but mm-hmm. the fun part about this is if you stay in success long enough, and this is what we were talking about with that deal in Alabama, you go to the next rung, which is scale. Mm-hmm. So a successful business has a tough time not scaling. The problem that people have is they don't put the, the infrastructure in place to support it. Right. Right. But a successful business, just like we had in Alabama, you know, we had a good Tennessee business, but then it started to jump markets. Yeah. You know, and we weren't even trying for that, but it happens organically. Uh-huh. You know, and then after time, it's like, well, it, it doesn't matter where we are. Uh-huh. But finally, it's about significance. So there comes a point, and I've seen people, and these are the people that I try to spend the most time with. They have cash. Most of them are lenders. You know, they've been in real estate. 
they've all been through those levels, you know, struggle, success, scale, and now it's about significance. But at that point, it's not necessarily about the money anymore. But I tell you this, they know. So like, here's an example. They know what they're doing with their money. So here's an example. One person specifically, uh, he called me, I don't know, maybe beginning of November. And he called me. He said, hey, Brad, it's your end day. I said, what, what do you mean year end day? He said, well, every year I know what I have made every day up until this point. And he said, today is the day that I made as much as I did last year. He knew to the day. Now, I've called this guy for money before. And he would say, Brad, I'm, I'm actually out of cash. He said, no, hang on, hold up. I forgot about something. Oh, I've got $2 million sitting in this account. I forgot uh-huh. about. <laughs> okay. But this guy knows how much he's made to the day. Mm. So he's tracking his money. Oh, yeah. You know, but the value system, the driver of what he's doing now, it's not about making more money. Right. It's about the impact. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were talking before we went on air that there's a gentleman right here in Murfreesboro where we live. His work career started as a meat man at a local, locally owned grocery store. Yeah. He was a butcher. Yeah. And, um, and from that blue collar life, he started when he began to, started real estate and started building houses. He built blue collar houses for starter homes mm-hmm. and he built them everywhere. Phenomenally large uh, developments, but he built those. And, you know, I, I had to, I went to visit a friend at uh, uh, a live hospice here in Murfreesboro about three weeks ago in their last few hours and walked up to the front door and, and this butcher had paid for a live hospice. I mean, you talk about legacy. Yeah. Some of the very people that live in his homes have to visit a live hospice to say goodbye to their fa- their parents. Right. And this man has left a legacy. Uh, everywhere he goes and touches, he leaves a legacy. Now, he not only is built here, he's built in Florida Panhandle. He's the biggest builder in West Tennessee. Yeah. Jackson, Tennessee is full of his properties. So it's amazing. I mean, wealth. Is, is a powerful, positive thing. And if you'll couch money in it, right, it, it is a, it's gas. Yeah, for sure. And so that brings me to my first thought whenever I heard this question, which is, I think it's a good question for someone to understand because we have to have our, our personal needs met first. Okay. So mm-hmm. like, you know, whenever you're, I'm, I'm on a flight here in a couple hours, cause we're looking at event space for mastermind for summer. And, you know, undoubtedly, they'll go through the speech of, you know, if, if the mask fall, put on your mask first, then help your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the question right. of what's my enough is I'm putting my mask on so I have enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. But I think then the question has to become, okay, what about what's important to me? Like what cause is important to me? What legacy can I leave? Because if uh, the builder that you're talking about who went from being a butcher to Tennessee's largest home builder had, and we're going to have to have him in. There's no doubt. You know, because he's local for us and, and we both know him. Uh-huh. But if he had had the concern of, well, what's my enough, which almost, and I don't necessarily think within the question has this, but I think most people when they, they ask that question, the question is predicated on the idea of, if I have enough, I shouldn't take from others because I'm taking something from someone else. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like that little deal uh, that we just talked about a while ago, the the creative financing deal. And somebody might say, man, you created $100, I mean, $100,000 of equity in that note. 
Do you not feel like you might be taking advantage of them? Well, look, I have a 30-year mortgage myself. I don't think Wells Fargo is taking advantage of me. Right. They have given me terms so that I can buy my home. Right. And and this family, they now have home ownership. They yes. can have roots. That's that's be- the beginnings of legacy wealth. Exactly. Most inheritance is centered around real estate. They have a tax write-off with the interest. Yeah. So, I mean. They're excited. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm 100% with you. But I, I wonder if this butcher now turned home builder that's done exceptionally well was so focused on, well, what's my enough? And it stopped there. Right. A live hospice wouldn't exist in Murfreesboro. That's right exactly now. right. That's exactly right. I mean, a good section of our, our, our hospital here would not exist right now. Yeah. And I think probably the Boys and Girls Club of Rutherford County wouldn't exist right now. It would have probably gone bankrupt a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know what all yeah. secretly, quietly yeah. he has touched in this county. And he's not, I mean, he was inspired by a Howard Wall. Yeah. So many other people before him who've done the same thing. Howard and Sally Wall. Right. And Dr. Liz, oh, I forget her last name, powerful woman here in town, just passed away at 100 in the last couple of years. But I mean, she's she has bankrolled so much in this community. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that's it for us, guys. Appreciate y'all being with us. We'll catch you next Tuesday, Tuesday morning coffee. If you have any questions, let us know. Support at bradsmotherman.com. And we'll catch you guys next week. Y'all have a good week. All right. Good day.